Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That's my code. I have three guests today. We are live streaming on LinkedIn. So happy to be here. Financial Excellence, I'm very proud to say, is our longest running SAP Game Changers radio series. We are in season 11. Panel, you haven't introduced you yet, but let's have an applause here. This is because finance is an important topic around the world for companies of any shape, any size, any footprint, any industry, right guys? I can say guys because they're all men. If it was women, I wouldn't say guys. I just don't like that. So we have a very interesting topic for you today. And I have to do a shout out to Pras Chatterjee at SAP and Chris Grundy as well, who's still on board. They are our longtime sponsors. And I'm so thrilled that you're still with us. So let's see what's going on here. There was a book in 2007 called The Black Swan, The Impact of the Highly Improbable. Just let that sink in. It was written by author and former options trader Nassim Nicholas Taleb, T-A-L-E-B. I hope that's the way he pronounces it. He focuses on the extreme impact of rare and unpredictable outlier events And this is even more important, the human tendency to find simplistic explanations for these events retrospectively. That means look back over your shoulder, look in the rearview mirror. What do we think happened? What do we think we want to do about it or not? And Taleb calls this the black swan theory. The Sunday Times, and I don't have in my link here whether that was the New York Times or the London Times, but one of the Sunday Times called this one of the 12 most influential books since World War II. 36 weeks on the New York Times. Now I know bestseller list published in only 32 languages. I have two quotes from Taleb and then we'll get into our topic, but Black Swan is critical to what we're talking about today. Taleb said, if you ever do have to heed a forecast, do have to heed a forecast, keep in mind that its accuracy degrades rapidly as you extend it through time. Ah, there's our look back. There's our, you got a spreadsheet from three months ago? Well, we know how valid that is. And here's another quote. We see the obvious, oh, we got, is that a dog barking? We see the obvious and visible consequences, not the invisible and less obvious ones. Yet those unseen consequences generally are more meaningful. There we go. So now let me introduce briefly our topic, and then we'll have my three esteemed guests introduce themselves and tell us why they're here, what their passion is. So gone are the days when, as a whole, planning and analysis, FP&A, for the office of the CFO in the enterprise could be, it's just okay, not anymore. We're making a proposition here that black swan events are becoming the norm. Come on, look, it's May 2022. We're live today. Look at what the world has gone through in the past two and a half years. Look at where we are. I'm happy we're all here today. It has required, as they become the norm, required guidance and scenario modeling. FP&A can no longer wait on gathering data from convoluted spreadsheets. I hope nobody's offended by that. And uncollaborative business units, we call those silos. Hey, I'm in my lane, you stay in yours, right, John? We don't wanna work with you. Well, we're busy doing something else. Can't do that. The pressure is on the CFO to deliver highly credible plans and even better analysis, but how? Here's the answer. Modern planning processes and tools. Modern is the key word here. Adopting extended planning and analysis, 
analytics and visualization, not a new word at all, and machine learning. These will help you transform your company's finance function from good to, let's all do a Tony the Tiger moment here. Great! <laughs> we, didn't play, we, didn't, we didn't rehearse this, kids. <laughs> I have with me, please raise your hand and wave for the LinkedIn audience when I call your name. John Essig at Simplify Solutions. Hi, John. Been a long time. So happy to have you back. We have a newcomer, Chris Ortega at Fresh FP&A. Chris, my energy guy he says today's going to be a hot topic and he's been promoting us on linkedin chris thank you very much and yes, we have you. floyd conrad back at sap floyd so happy to see you and i'm going to ask them for their take on the black swan versus Ooh, we've got it we're setting up here with a, a contentious here the black swan versus transforming your fpna from good to let's hear the tony the tiger moment great, great. We really didn't rehearse that. I, I didn't even, I didn't think about it till I got here on live radio. I'm sorry. Anyway, shout out to the audience at Voice America, the business channel, and hello again to LinkedIn and shout out to our engineer, Gabe. And we have Maureen at SAP in the background cheering us on. So let's go around the table and get introductions here. I'm not going to read your bio. We want to know who you are. John Essig, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. Would you please do me the honor? Introduce yourself. Refresh our memory. Who are you? What are you doing? A little bit about Simplify and what's your passion for the topic. John, welcome. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, so yeah, John Essig, CEO and managing partner at Simplify Solutions. Um, we help companies transform FP&A, deliver planning, analytics, consolidation solutions, as well as business content. Um, I've been delivering planning, analytics, financial reporting solutions for the past uh, 15 years. And before that uh, was in FP&A, in corporate accounting. So the good, the bad, the ugly, and I'm passionate about helping companies transform their business and automating their core um, and increasing accuracy in their planning and forecasting processes. Thank you. Happy to have you here, John. Do you agree that Black Swan events are becoming less outlier and more, oh, here we are, another one again? Yes. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, since that book was written, which I, you know, very much enjoyed, we've had two Black Swan events. Um, so, yeah, becoming much more, more and more the norm. There you go. Thank you very much. And now let's welcome Chris Ortega. Chris, your energy on LinkedIn promoted you. I'm putting the little hot symbols. He said, it's going to be a hot show today. It's a little warm here. I haven't turned the AC on. But other than that, this is an important topic. Chris Ortega, welcome. Please introduce yourself to our global audience. Go ahead. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you for everybody. Uh, yeah, so Chris Ortega, Born and raised here in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Any of the Hoosier fans, drop them in the comments on the LinkedIn. Any Hoosier fans? Uh, so yeah, I've uh, I've been in accounting, finance, FP&A, CFO level roles uh, for a little bit over 16 years of my professional career. Um, I started off my career in public accounting, so I would show everybody my ENY branding right here. Uh, started off in public accounting, and then you know just really worked in like high growth entrepreneur startup technology companies, really focused on going from startup to scale up to exit. Um, and most recently, I was part of a multinational marketing platform company that ironically was bought by SAP. Uh, so helping lead that entire transition. And what I'm really passionate about is using my skills, passions and talents to help others realize and achieve greatness. I think that is like my passion thesis statement. And that's what brings me to uh, Fresh FP&A, which is a full service consulting company focused on business and financial transformation for all different levels of businesses. 
for me, I'm really passionate about FPNA, the forward-looking nature that it's had, the, the Black Swan events that we've talked about before, and how that's really positioned the accounting, finance, FPNA, CFO of the future to really have a completely different value proposition, to have a completely different uh, uh, skill set bringing into the organization. And now the business wants it. Uh, we've had our 15 minutes of fame because when you had the pandemic happen, you had CMOs, you had chief revenue officers. They sat back and said, CFO, you got to navigate us through this. So I'm really excited about this topic. I'm really excited about sharing with the audience about what it means to be a modern CFO. And uh, so happy to be part of this panel. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Chris. Happy to have you here. And, and Chris, we've talked for years and Floyd knows this. Floyd, you'll be next. And John, we've talked for years about getting I'm going to just put air quotes around this, Chris, younger people into finance. How do you make it exciting? Right, Floyd? Right, John? How do you make it exciting? And the enthusiasm from you, Chris, <laughs> uh, we're not doing an age or millennium or Gen YZ. We're running out of letters for these cohorts. But my, it's going to be Gen A soon. We're going to have to go back to the beginning <laughs> of the alphabet or double Z. I don't know. My right. point is that your excitement and your enthusiasm and your career path certainly can be and hopefully will be encouraging and inspiring to young people. I'm just going to say people entering the workforce. Let's just keep that as a generic phrase rather than their age or their number of experiences in whatever they've done in their schooling. So thank you, Chris. Love the enthusiasm. And Chris also uses the word passion in his bio, and I don't see that in bios very often. So he only said it 18 times when he was talking to us and introducing himself. Chris, we're thrilled to have you here. And let's go to Floyd Conrad. Floyd, it's so nice to see you again. It's I been a couple too, of years. I think it has. Anyway, I tell you what, I'm guessing there might be 8.3 people around the world in our listening audience and our viewing audience who don't remember you, Floyd. I'm just going to say shame on them. So why don't you refresh their memory and tell us what you've been up to. Floyd, welcome back. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, my name is Floyd Conrad. I'm part of our Global Center of Excellence at uh, SAP, focusing primarily on the planning and analysis solutions that we have. Um, Unfortunately, we have more than one, <laughs> but I probably pro predominantly focus on the cloud solutions. Now to excuse my voice, I'm re, uh, recuperating from a cold, so it is a little scratchy. I have about 30 years experience in FPNA. I started off, I graduated from Texas A&M University with a BBA in accounting and finance, uh, then moved into John as well, accounting, <laughs> which, uh, Accounting is not necessarily the most fun place or most exciting place to be in, but it's very necessary. And then I moved over into finance, uh, which is very dynamic. Um, when I was in finance, we were reporting directly into the CFO. So we were responsible for the board books, the analyst calls. So, I mean, we were really, really into the, the thick of things, right? So more at a corporate level, having to go to each of the operations, get information, et cetera. So, you know, when we get to the topic here of, you know, black swan events, and, you know, I, I think the first one I can think of is kind of like 9-11. I mean, when that happened there, I was, I remember I was working at a competitor of SAPs and somebody told me what was happening. My spouse actually is a flight attendant for American. And I was sitting there going, you're kidding. I mean, I thought they were just playing a nasty joke. And this is before everybody had TV and everything, you know, everywhere. So uh, I ran down to the break room and, and 
just watch the second uh, plane go into the uh, second tower. And it was just, it was just kind of one of these things like, oh crap, what's going to happen now? You know, and, and I remember I was supposed to have a call with uh, one of the food services companies at the airport that day, which, you know, got canceled. But, you know, as we go through, you know, it's just really remarkable about how many other, what I would say are life-changing events that are impacting us, you know, with, you know, most recently COVID, you know, and it's still impacting us, you know, yeah, people aren't getting as sick, thank goodness. Uh, but, you know, if you look at business and just, you know, businesses that aren't able to fill orders because of the backlog and not being able to get enough employees working, you know, it's just really, you know, it's just really, uh, it just makes you wonder, like, how are we going to plan for this? So it's really important for us to go through and, you know, make sure that we connect all the plans throughout the organization and bring it over because we have to be nimble. You know, we have to be able to make changes very quickly because if not, we're going to get left behind. Thank you very much, Floyd. Appreciate that. And yes, looking back, I, we all have our, our 9-11 memories. But what I'm, I'm hearing from you, my takeaway is companies and especially finance need to be agile, nimble, Absolutely. flexible, resilient in the moment, planning ahead. And the answer is eat well and don't sleep at all. That's what I get because you can't, you can't plan for a lot of this stuff. It's like, no, it's can't. like that moment. It's like, OMG, the world just changed. What are we going to do, right? Think about the businesses that were producing alcohol and all of a sudden we all needed hand sanitizer and they became hand sanitizer producers, right? Think about what happened at the beginning of, of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Think about how businesses had to pivot. We need to stay alive. What are restaurants going to do? Nobody's coming. We got to start a takeout. We got to start a, an online service. Think about how businesses needed to shift, but think about the financial people who had to back this up with some kind of structure and some kind of plan. Yes, if we do this, given this, given, and now supply chain issues and chips and oh my goodness, it, it's a constant pivot. So I, I would agree with the, the premise that black swan events, maybe not just a moment in time, but like a ripple in a pond that just keeps, am I right, Chris? Get, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the ripple is, becomes the outlier becomes the norm so let's move on thank you all for your introductions i appreciate you let's go on to the quote part i have asked each of my guests to send me a quote from a fictional character in a tv or movie tv series or movie or a song lyric and the quotes have absolutely nothing to do literally with our topic but they're going to relate them to the topic so let's get started john essig has sent a quote from and actually both characters both leads in the movie i'm telling you john i did my research and i found a clip the movie is the shawshank redemption 1994 american drama and it was originally based on the 1982 stephen king novella rita hayworth and shawshank redemption story of a banker andy dufresne played by Tim Robbins, sentenced to life in Shawshank State Penitentiary for the murders of his wife and lover. He claimed innocence. He got involved with some kind of a prison warden, money laundering, laundering operation. Bob Gutton, by the way, is appearing on 24. He's the chief of staff. I'm on season seven of 24 with Kiefer Sutherland, so I see Bob Gutton a lot these days. Anyway, I'm 15 years late for that one. So here is the quote that's said by Andy Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins, and in the same scene, Ellis Red, hello, Redding, played by the one and only Morgan Freeman. Here we go. Get busy living or get busy dying. And Tim Robbins' character says it, and then he's sitting right next to Red, and Red says it as well. So it's a double quote, and I like that. John, what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, whenever you have a, a black swan type event, it's, it's really easy to kind of dwell and look at the worst case scenario and not look at, um, you know, the opportunity that those events present and not kind of focus on, on the future, right? And as FP&A professionals, that's what we want to do. We want a strong foundation um, so that we can react to events like this um, and not be dwelling on them, but look at, you know, how that changes our business and, you know, what is, what is the new future? Um, remain optimistic. It's, it's very easy. I know, especially, you know, coming from an accounting finance uh, background, sometimes um, we're not all the most optimistic salespeople out there in the world, right? Um, but we have to be forward looking, right? Um, and keep on, Keep on keeping on, right? That's not where I was trying to go, but I'll, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Thank you. Well very, thank you very much, Chris. Like that, I appreciate that. Chris Ortega, you're next. You picked a quote from *The Dark Knight Rises*, a 2012 superhero film created by Christopher Nolan, who wrote the screenplay with his brother Jonathan. I know he had a brother. Based on the DC Comics character Batman, final installment in Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy and the sequel to The Dark Knight 2008, stars Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne, Batman, with Tom Hardy, Gary Oldman, Marion Cotillard, Morgan Freeman. Here he is again, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Caine, Anne Hathaway. What, what an incredible cast. Uh, here is the, the character, Tom Hardy says this, and he plays Bane, B-A-N-E, and he admitted that people would laugh at the voice he created for the Bane character. There's a backstory to this. I'm not going to go into it. But he also had to gain 30 pounds for the role, and he based the character on several different influences, including the comic character's heritage. So here's a quote. I don't know what the voice was, but I'm just going to read it straight. And Chris, if you want to interpret, that's fine. Theatrically and, I'm sorry, theatricality and deception, powerful agents to the uninitiated, but we are initiated aren't we Bruce? Ooh, I don't know how menacing I was supposed to sound, but I didn't. So Chris, you want to give a proper Yeah, I, I, I got, I got this one. I got the bang voice. Go ahead. Theatricality and deception, powerful agents of the uninitiated, but we are initiated, aren't we Bruce? <laughs> okay, so, go ahead. <laughs> so, so what that means, right? So like, I love that movie so much. And when you look at Bane and Batman, you look at Batman that throughout the entire Christopher Nolan series, that finance, Batman has been good to Gotham, right? He's been the great, he's been the Dark Knight, everybody loved him. But then Bane comes in, similar background, but whole different level of skill set, whole different value proposition, whole different way of looking at things. And Looking at that scene, when Bane says that to Batman, he says to him, he says, oh, Batman, you threw your star, you threw your, your salesperson, you're throwing all your theatricality, you're using all your buzzwords, you're, you're saying anecdotally this and all. The business is so much about theatricality. It's a theory, it's a, it's a drama, it's a movie. And Bane looked at all, what Batman had in his arsenal. He looked at all these different things and said, Batman, theatricality and deception, the show and lying to people are powerful to, to get people to convince them, to get them investing billions of dollars into a company that doesn't actually have a product to sell, right? And that captures people. And Bain said to him, like, I'm initiated. I can see through all of that. I know what that is. 
And when I look back at that, my FP&A career and growing up through finance, I've been being in high growth, entrepreneurial, fast paced startup SaaS companies. I have seen and worked with some of the most influential marketing and sales, you know, those kind of people. And those are my people. Right. And I get and I've said in meetings sometimes with VPs of sales, I said, look, man, get past all the theatricality and all that. Let's get down to business. Like I'm already initiated. I can see through that stuff. I can see the numbers. I can see what they're driving line and bottom line results. I can see now. I have vision that is outside of just the numbers. I know the business, know the operation, know the partnership, know the value proposition that I bring. So let's get past all of that and let's get to it. So for me, I think that's so important to this topic because in 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 FP&A in accounting and finance, we need to be more banes inside the organization. We need to be great. We need to be looking past it. We need to be building the great partnerships. We need to be leveraging the great platforms. We need to be optimizing our processes. We need to be people focused and we need to drive high performance. So for me, that quote from taking FPNA from good to great, we need to be banes inside of organizations with the voice as well. With the voice. Thank you very much. Have you thought about teaching a class on getting excited about finance, Chris? Because to me, Open whatever your course is, open with that line from the movie and the Bane's voice. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got I'll, it. Help, I'll help you design the course. I love it. it. We, we don't often use that word theatricality on these shows, right, John and right, Floyd? We don't say, uh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, but look behind the curtain for God's sake, right? We don't do that. We're, we're, we're caught up in marketing ease and, and sales speak, but you've got to look behind. Very well point well taken. Thank you very much, Chris. Let's go to Floyd's quote. Floyd has picked a quote from another world famous movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris played by the iconic Matthew Broderick. I can say that 1986 American teen comedy film. I think it was more than a comedy. I think it was a lot more important than that. I'm sorry, Floyd. That's the way they pronounce it. That's the way they say directed, co-written, co-produced, written, directed by John Hughes. And it's interesting. Well, Ferris Bueller is a high school slacker. He skips school for a day in Chicago. Mia Sarah's his girlfriend, Alan Ruck is, is his friend. He breaks that fourth wall and talks to the audience and explains his thoughts. But what's interesting is Hughes wrote the screenplay in less than a week. Can you imagine the energy that he had to write this? And it was his love letter to Chicago. Landmarks are in there, the, the Sears Tower that was there, Wrigley Field, the Art Institute of Chicago. It became 1986's one of the top grossing films. Get this. The budget, you want to do numbers, Chris, John, and Floyd? The budget was $5.8 million. It grossed $70.1 million. Do the math from 5.8 to 70.1. Of course, it's in the preserved in the U.S. National Film Registry. Here's the quote Floyd has picked, and it's a wonderful one. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Floyd, how'd you pick this one? Love it. Go ahead. No, it's, it's just lately I've just been kind of, uh, maybe it's because I'm getting older, kind of just evaluating, you know, things in life and how fast things move. You know, I look at my great niece, you know, and how fast she has grown up from, you know, when I took her to Disney World in three, four years ago, and she was three years old. And, and today it's just like, she looks like a little lady, you know, she's starting to get those new little features. She's not looking like that little baby girl anymore. But it's in that, yes, I am that old. I have great nieces and great nephews. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just remarkable. Even in business, you know, if I, I look at where I was and where I am today and just, 
you know, how things have changed so much. I remember the first time I got out of college, you know, the only thing on my desk was the 10 key. You know, we didn't have own computers. We had to go to a computer room to, you know, log information in uh, or, or check out a PC if I was going to write up a doc. But we actually had secretaries back then that if we needed to do a memo and stuff like that, just kind of handwrite it out and then, you know, do edits and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just different, you know, and we have to be able to, you know, with, you know, say a black swan event or like, you know, when the pandemic comes and stuff like that, we have to be able to stop for a second and kind of evaluate and then we can go, go march forward again, you know. But I think it's important to, you know, just kind of live in the moment sometimes, you know, right now we're just constantly moving, 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 moving. And, you know, we don't really realize what's going on, you know, in today in the present. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Um, and I need whatever Chris is taking. They don't sell what I got, man. <laughs> Touche. Thank you all very much for selecting such interesting quotes. I appreciate it. This is a, a key to our format, which is, I, I'll do a full disclosure here. We used to take accept quotes from famous people. And after I heard the same <laughs> Churchill, Einstein, Edison, Gandhi, I'm trying to be very inclusive here. Uh, Darwin, Drucker quotes, Disney quote, uh, Ford quote. After I heard those all about 500 times, I was falling asleep. And so about two years ago, I said to my, my guest, let's stop the famous people quote and let's go to the movie and TV and song quotes. And I appreciate that. John Essig, you're up first. I've already put into the chat for you privately so I didn't disturb anybody. And Chris, I'll have a message for you in a moment in the chat. I've picked one of John's discussion statements. We're going to talk about number two. I'll read it. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read it, John, and then and I'd like you to unpack it for about three minutes. We're not clocking you, but keep it tight. And then we're going to go around the table. Chris Ortega, I'm going to ask you to be very, very careful here to agree or disagree with John. But John told me he's in a really good mood today, and it's okay if you disagree with him. Okay, so we're hoping you'll say something provocative. And then Floyd, I'm going to bring you in to agree or disagree with either or both. So you've got your work cut out for you. At that moment, Chris, I will have put, after you're talking, I'll put a statement in for you from your list, and then we'll go around. You'll lead, then Floyd will respond, and John, and then we'll have one from Floyd. And let's see where that takes us. So here we're in our formal roundtable. John Essig, statement number two, to plan after something that hasn't happened before. Okay, we're talking retrospectively about how I define Black Swan. Your plan cannot be rooted in only historical data and historical processes. I'm going to stop there and let you finish that statement, John, and add to it. So, John Essig, you're up. Sure. Yeah, you need to be able to engage with your team on the ground to understand what they're seeing in supply chain, uh, customer sentiment, talent management, and be able to quickly incorporate what we are seeing now in our forecasts. Um, this ability to react relies on our ability to collaborate organizationally. Um, so what, is, what does that mean? I mean, we look at some of these events like the pandemic, like the real estate bubble, like the dot-com bubble, um, and you go from a financial planning process where you're taking last year's actuals and you're adding 3%, 4% growth, um, and doing a top line budget and then working with the team to build it bottom up based off of historical trends and the latest and greatest information. When you have an event like this, you have to pause and start back from a white sheet of paper, right? Um, so that means that you have to be close to your sales organization, to your supply chain, um, to your talent management and 
Um, if you're not, uh, if you're not able to collect their assumptions and collect their sentiment and the best and latest and greatest information from them, you're going to be, you know, taking garbage in and putting garbage out, right? Um, and with within FPNA, uh, one of our most important objectives is to be able to provide forward-looking statement on financials for our companies um, so that we can be in lockstep with how many people do we need and what type of roles. Um, so we have products in the right places. Um, so we have salespeople marching towards the right vision, telling the right stories. Um, and, if, and if we aren't aligned on those things, uh, we're not gonna be able to help drive profitability and return on investment to our organization uh, ultimately, which is what we need to be focused on, right? So it's not, it's not good enough to just collect and aggregate this information. We need to have the information from uh, the business readily available so that we can drive meaningful conversations um, and increase the accuracy, right? Because we're also auditing the information that's provided to us, questioning it, being a good business partner while we're doing it, right? So we have to have that trust with the business and relationships. Um, but uh, if we're spending all of our time just collecting that information, uh, then we're going to be too late, right? And we're going to end up going back to historical data that's not relevant. We don't want to be too late. Let's go around the table. Chris Ortega, join us. Agree or disagree? You're up. I, I strongly agree with what John said. And I'll take it a step further, right? I think what he talked about is, I think, the two most important aspects of FPNA. We no longer need to be the financial planning and analysts inside the organization. Tools, platforms, technology can do that way faster and way more of a value proposition to do that. So let's take a two seconds right now to RIP FPNA 1.0, which is financial planning and analysis. Okay, now what, what we're moving to is FPNA 2.0. It was exactly what John talked about. It's financial partnership and advising. And I will throw another FPNA in there. I would say financial precision and accuracy. Those are the things that are so important right now, right? When I look and see like partnering with a sales, a CRO, a chief marketing officer, a chief operation officer, all these chief roles that just came up. I mean, there's a bunch of them now that I've never even heard about before, right? When I'm partnering with them, they don't care about how good, hey, Chris's forecast error is 3% in the last six months. How good of a partner am I to them, right? How am I serving them? A common misconception a lot of accounting, finance, FP&A teams have is that they think the business should serve finance. No, 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 no. Finance is a supportive function. We should serve the business. Therefore, we should be the financial partners and advisors to the business. When you start thinking about it from that perspective and say, oh, man, like I don't need a, to, to make sure I know like all this forecasting methodology. Yeah, all that stuff is important to know. But if you're balancing the scale and looking back over what the pandemic has gave to the business, the pandemic gave to the business financial partners and advisors that navigated and continue to navigate one of the most challenging situations ever of all time. And the business said, hey, man, my CFO stepped up. They were having conversations outside of their indirect team. They were partnering outside the business. They were taking an empathetic, data-driven decision-making mindset to the organization. They were leveraging their financial skill sets, but coupling it with a partner and advising focused on financial precision and accuracy, that's the holy grail. That's what we want to get to. And that's, that's the moment. That is what FPNA is going to be for the next five to 10 years. And we need to 
It's a wave. You either get on it or get drowned by it. Get busy living or get busy. We know the answer to that. Floyd Conrad, join us. Agree or disagree? You got a lot to chew on here, Floyd. Yeah, I'm trying to find something to disagree about, but the only thing I have to disagree about is that I didn't know I was supposed to wear the uh, the company logo shirt, <laughs> but uh, nobody told me about that. But anyway, no, I think primarily everything that you know these guys have said, you know, spot on. It's something that I've been talking about really even ten plus years ago. You know, it's it's really important that we as finance people be able to engage with the business, become those business partners, right? Not just somebody who gathers the numbers, right? Or tells them that, you know, I need this information now um, and not really understand what's behind those numbers. Like I said, when I was in finance, you know, it was really key that, you know, we actually understood what was going on in the international business or what was going on in the credit card business, or what was going on in the, uh, you know, the home equity business, again, financial services, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, it was really important, not just the number itself, but also, you know, what is, you know, happening underneath that number. So it was important for us to understand, you know, from our various different business partners of what was going on. And if not, then we just lose credibility, you know, at that point. Thank you very much. Let's go back to John Essig. John, this was your topic. Thoughts? Anything you want to say back to your two agreeable colleagues on the panel? I'm sorry. Today? <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I totally agree with the the vision of where we want to be. I think, um, you know, what what I maybe don't completely agree with is, um, you know, planning and analysis. Right. You know, we've been talking for a long time and organizations um, have, you know, swung that pendulum going from spending 80% of their time collecting, aggregating, validating, publishing reports, um, as well as plans to spending, you know, 80% of their time analyzing data, right? Um, before you can, you know, provide um, value-added advice back to your senior leadership team, um, you need to have a really good business understanding. So that means not just experience in finance and numbers, but also experience with you know, how your sales cycles work and, and how your talent recruitment processes work. So if you want to be a true business advisor, um, you need to have your table stakes of your you know, collecting and aggregating and publishing reports automated. Um, you need to be spending then you know, further swinging that pendulum. So then you're spending, you know, 15% of your time on, on that, you're spending 40% of your time on analysis and you're spending 40% of your time on, on business partnerships. So it's kind of, you know, we've been talking a long time about moving to spending majority of time on analysis. Um, but, it, it, you know, I think a, a lot of us are, are still trying to get there, right? So um, definitely not at every organization are, is finance at a, you know, does, do they have a seat at the table from a partnership perspective like that, right? Um, yeah. Thank you. This is this is a good reality check, John and Chris and Floyd. We're not here to paint, paint a pretty picture. We're not here to say everybody's happy, everybody's on board. We're here to give some insights, not advice, but insights to our listeners around the world as to what may be happening in their company that they're they might know it, but they might not, <clears throat> excuse me, be paying enough attention to it. What's really going on and what can you do? to try to make it better. So there you go. We want everybody who's listening and watching us to be
be able to come out of the show, come away from the show with something of value that they can bring back to their company or if they're owning it, if they're running it, if they're starting it, if they're managing it, if they're leading it, if they're, if they're on the line underneath the management level, something that they can add value and I appreciate the, the insight. So reality check is, is just fine. Let's go to a statement from Chris Ortega. I'm looking at statement number two. This is interesting. You say empathy and connections for finance to meet the business where they are and truly reflect on what it's like to walk and talk in your business partner's shoes is vital. I'm gonna stop there and let you finish the statement, Chris. Take about three minutes total, and then Floyd, we're gonna tee you up to agree or disagree with Mr. Ortega, and then John, we will get you to, to follow up on both of their, whatever they say. Chris, you're up. Yeah, so, I mean, talking about a Black Swan event, right? What I remember distinctly, when the pandemic happened, that was one of the most transformative like periods. And I remember a quote from the Best Buy CEO and she said, you know what, before we make any financial decisions, we're going to make sure we put our people in the forefront. Like we are putting people before our profits. And I remember being inside of an organization where we, we had to do the same thing, right? We were focused on the retail e-commerce space. That was our primary uh, uh, ideal customer profile, our ICP. And when bricks and mortars, when nobody's shopping and everything's online and nobody has an online presence and everybody's renegotiating contracts, I remember sitting down with the leaders and I'll never forget this moment. And it's carried, it's going to carry me for the rest of my career. Our CEO sat down, he said, the number one thing that we need to be focused on right now is taking care of our customers and taking care of our employees. Every decision that we make needs to be people focused because Behind every model, behind every analysis, behind every great report that you're doing, there's a people aspect of it that's going to impact. And I I'm being in that moment and I'm looking at all these different KPIs. I'm looking at cash conversion rates. I'm looking at our CAC ratios. I'm looking at, it, you name the SAS metrics, I'm looking at it. And it really changed because I'm looking at this and I'm saying, man, like if we're able to renegotiate this contract from a pay up front to a quarterly contract, that gives more cash flow to our vendor. That vendor has more cash flow than now to keep their employees. If they keep their employees, there's families that can have dinner. There's families that are taken care of. And for me, like it, 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 it tied in this whole concept of empathetic data-driven decision-making, which to me is people drive processes, processes then turn into data, data is then turned into information, information is shared through knowledge to ultimately make a business decision. And for me, like I've always looked at it from coming from the accounting finance FNA space, that process to decision is what I call the decision cycle. That was the, that was the data-driven decision-making cycle. The only element that you have on that is consulting to your people. And honestly, like I think a lot of times accounting finance FNA people, when we get, uh, when we listen and reflect, we come with solutions. My challenge to everybody as a takeaway is sit down with that business partner and listen. One of the most important things, and I share this all across the globe to all different kind of accounting finance FP&A people, the first thing you should be thinking about if you want to really build that trusting business relationship, sit down with that business partner and ask them just one question. What is keeping you up at night? What opportunities, challenges, and risks do you see in the business? Take that moment to listen, reflect, incorporate that in your modeling, because right now, 
there's companies and there's people, you have to put people before profits. And yeah, that's a finance, that's a wild thing, but that is the focus we need to be focused on as finance leaders. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Let's go around the table. Very provocative, I think. Floyd? Uh, well, I mean, not necessarily disagree, but one of the things I would add really is, is that we need to focus, you know, not just on the income statement, but on the balance sheet, right? So it's really key to know that in order to put people ahead, do we have the cash in place to be able to do it? You know, we're going to make payroll. You know, uh, we got to make sure that we understand, you know, not just it, it. Great. Yeah. I want to make sure that everybody in the organization is doing well. Right. I want to make sure our customers are doing well. But at the same time, what is that going to how is that going to impact me? Right. How am I going to if I'm borrowing money, you know, what kind of, you know, impact does that have to me? You know, it's just cash is king. So uh, one of the things is that we need to find out, you know, what our liquidity is and, you know, what we can do there. So I think that kind of ties into what Chris is saying a little bit. But I just wanted to kind of expand on that a little bit. Thank you very much. Let's see what John Essig wants to say. John, yeah. you're up. Thoughts? <laughs> Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, I'll comment on uh, both uh, one of Chris's points as well as one of Floyd's. So um, first, uh, agree with kind of people first approach that, that Chris laid out, especially in our market today. Labor market is very, very tight. Uh, people have, uh, you know, a lot of options, you know, bottom line, right? So you need to be inspiring your workforce, working with them, making them feel valued. Um, however, as a finance person, that that doesn't take away your responsibility to trust, but validate the information that you're being given and challenge the business back to them. Um, so definitely from, from my perspective, you, you wanna work to be that good business partner, but you need to keep that, that skeptical eye uh, as well to help tell the real story of what's going on, like we talked about earlier. Um, the second thing I want to comment on that, that Floyd mentioned is as far as, um, you know, cash and, and liquidity and everything else like that, um, totally agree on that, on that point. And I think um, it's, it's funny because uh, the last, you know, X number of years, we've been living in a very low inflation environment, right? Um, so it was very easy to think about, okay, if I have a dollar and I put that down and I get a dollar 20 back. Um, I'm going to be happy. That's an easy decision, right? Um, financial modeling becomes easier when inflation's lower. Um, now we're in a high inflationary environment and um, finance needs to remember we're not just about helping measure profits as an organization and help drive profits. Uh, we need to drive return on capital employed, right? Um, so it's liquidities, cash management, um, and we need to remember organizationally that that capital management part of the job um, is, is key to us, right? It's not just profit, but if our cash costs more than, than we get from the return on that profit, um, you know, we're not going to be in a good position at the end of the day. Thank you very much. Chris, this was your provocative topic quickly, because I want to move to something from Floyd. We're looking at the clock now. Chris, anything you want to say back to Mr. Essig and or Mr. Conrad? No, I think they, I think that, you know, supplemented it really well. Um, just, you know, my challenge to the listeners and everybody watching this, man, be people focused, focus on your people. Isn't that true in every department and every company right Very now? You, you would think, Bonnie, you would think you there's would some think. CFOs out there that ain't doing that though. I know. And, and I want to, I want to preface that with one word, please focus on your people. <laughs> 
please. It's pretty time. please. Pretty it's, please. It's pretty time. please. I just read that the what we've talked about, we're now in the era of the great resignation. I've read that they're, they're analyzing who stayed out and who came back in. And it was not a ploy, but it was a strategy, whether it was intentional in the beginning or not, to come back into better jobs and better paying jobs. A lot of people are coming back into the workforce. They were just working through this hybrid Who's behind me while I'm on Zoom trying to get my meetings done? Do I really want to work for this company? Do they respect me? Are they interesting me? interested in me? Do they value me? I'm going to go somewhere else. Boom, I'm back in the workforce. So we're going to see a lot of that changing of careers, I think. Let's move on. Floyd Conrad, I have picked your statement number two. This is interesting. We're going to introduce the term XP&A here. So Floyd says, planning is being done in silos in a lot of organizations and companies. But we need to connect them so we have the most overall picture of an organization, they have to adopt extended planning and analysis, goes beyond the boundaries of traditional FP&A. The X is not a variable that stands for one department like sales, supply chain, or HR. Floyd, I'm going to let you take this over and give us a fuller picture. Uh, take three, four minutes, and then we're almost out of time. Go ahead. Okay. Thanks, Bonnie. You know, I, I've been talking about, and we call this different terms, you know, throughout the years, but extended planning analysis is really connecting all the planning processes throughout the organization. So if you look at a P&L or balance sheet, if you look at say sales, and then you say, okay, where am I getting this information from? I'm sitting in corporate FP&A. You know, I may have to go to the various different product lines, et cetera, and pull that information. And a lot of times what people are providing me are spreadsheets and I'm having to key those numbers in, right? So that's really not a dynamic uh, solution to be able to have these offline spreadsheets or systems, we really want to do is connect everything. And, you know, I've talked about this even before I was at SAP. I've been at SAP eight years, so, you know, 10 plus years ago, you know, with organizations. And, you know, a lot of the challenges back then was really a lot of these systems that we had in place couldn't handle the data that, you know, that that existed. So that's one of the reasons why they had these different systems, you know, but today that's not the case. I mean, there's many different tools that, you know, we can use to, you know, put everything in one system. So that way, you know, if I have to have a Black Swan event or some major event that goes on, you know, they can go in there and put that information in or you can give them guidance. They can update the plans and we can have immediately, you know, and that's what we're really look, looking at. But that's not sales, but also, you know, HR, human resources, you know, that's also you know, an area that I look at the big dollar lines, you know, if you go down a PL of what brings in money, what, you know, takes out money, you know, those are the two areas that, um, you know, the two silos that I see that, you know, uh, we need to be able to connect. And it's really kind of surprising how many companies or organizations are still doing, you know, they haven't like attached everything. Yeah, they still have, you know, siloed departments and siloed information. But yet, you know, technology exists now that we can bring that together. So I just think people need to start looking at the technology that's out there and start seeing how they can, you know, adopt concepts like extended planning and analysis. Because I think in the long run, you know, that investment will pay off quickly. So, Floyd, why do you think that there are still these silos? Do you think it's called protecting your your castle, protecting your domain, making sure there's a moat so people can't get over there. It's, this is what I am managing. These are my people, don't you dare, or only with the permission or special invitation. Just quickly, uh, Floyd, is there a, is there a, 
a people reason for this or is it a structural reason? I definitely reason? think there is part of that's the case. I know that was definitely part of the case, you know, 10 plus mm -hmm. years ago. Sure. Uh, but, you know, if you look at it, you know, sales doesn't want finance to look at their numbers before they're ready. Right. But I mean, there are tools in place that, you know, you can not give them access to visibility into it until you're ready or until you submitted, you know, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in a different tool, you know, per se, it can be in the same tool. I think a lot of it too, is just that, you know, it's a big undertaking, you know, a lot of people mm -hmm. are afraid to just, you know, say, okay, let's do this, <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, I think there are still people that are afraid to kind of just be transparent Per se, you know. They don't share well in the sandbox. I want to move on because we're looking at the clock here. We got seven minutes left. Thank you, Floyd. I wanted to I ask that it. question. And I'm doing a show uh, next week on another SAP Game Changer show talking about the new ecosystem that involves trusting your intellectual property and sure. what you own with not just partners, but with competitors where the ecosystem is bigger, bringing in different different offerings that might come from somebody else. And how do you trust and break down the silos that are outside of your immediate department? So it's a hot topic. John Essig, you're sitting right next to Floyd right now on the screen. You're, you're below so, me. <laughs> so, so you're, you're next. So why don't you talk about John, what about Floyd said, and then Chris, you'll wrap this one up. I've got six minutes left. So let's go beat beat 90 seconds each. Go ahead, John. Yeah. I, I think for FP&A professionals that have been doing it a long time and have been spending their careers collecting and aggregating data going to the next level is, is scary, but you know, if, if they don't in our current business environment, someone else will, will come in and, and transform it for them and then they may be left without a job. Um, so that's one comment. I mean, we talked about a little bit about the line of business being hesitant to provide the information, but sometimes it's also finance. The other comment, uh, Floyd mentioned spreadsheets, right? Um, and you can't go through a session like this without saying Microsoft Excel. Sorry, I said a product name. <laughs> oh, geez. You can't say, not say Microsoft Excel and look, spreadsheets aren't going anywhere, right? Yeah, um, for analysis, for specifically for, you know, ad hoc strategic analysis, but there are much better solutions to help you visualize and, and kind of get what's going on and tell a story. Um, and Microsoft Excel, even Microsoft doesn't use Microsoft Excel for enterprise planning, right? It's not a good tool for that. So most companies that I've worked with utilize um, a, a solution to help them at least automate their core of collecting and aggregating data um, and most organizations that I'm working with are also going down that route of extended financial planning and analysis because it drives a whole another level of value and accountability and flexibility for the organization. Um, so totally agree with, with Floyd there in the goal. Um, and that's, you know, that's where we're headed down that route to become true business partners um, and not just collectors and aggregators of, of data with their 10 with our 10 key, like Floyd mentioned. So thank um, you very much. Okay. Got some look backs here. Chris, you're going to wrap this one up. I can give you about two and a half minutes, Chris. Ortega. I'm, I'm going to be even easier and uh, tighter than that. So listen, if you guys want to break down department silos, focus on building trusting business relationships. Relationships are built on two core competencies, competency and trust. Where do you think most accounting finance FP&A people go? They go to the competency. Here's your budget. Here's your actual. Here's the blah, 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 blah. Throw that out the window. Go focus on building trusting relationships. When you get the trust of a VP of sales, a marketing leader, 
now you're their trusted advisor. They're going to be, you become their therapist at that point. So the best way to break down that department silos and really extend the value proposition of XPNA, focus on building trusting business partnership and relationships. Don't leave with the competency side of it. Very, very interesting. I have a feeling there might be a part two in our future here. Speaking of future, I have just enough time to go around the table. If we met again, it's now May. We've got four minutes left. Thank you much, Gabe. Uh, if we met again in May of 2023, would we still be talking about, forget about the black swan approach, but transforming your FP&A, transforming for future, breaking down the silos, using more tools, using more automation, maybe not using spreadsheets for what they shouldn't be used for anymore. So will anything change about this topic? The answer from each of you is yes or no, and two sentences real fast about what you think we'd be talking about one year from today. John Essig, you're up, go. Unmute, there you go. Yes. Um successful FPNA professionals and large organizations um, are going to be talking about, a lot more about capital management in the next three years and professionals that are on top of that topic and recognize the environment that we're in uh, are going to be much better positioned to help their organizations be successful and be successful themselves, right? So brush up on your treasury skills, get close <laughs> to your treasury person. And if you don't have a treasury person in your organization, by the way, you're that person. Then, so. There you go. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Chris Ortega, 60 seconds, go. Yes or no and why? No, we'll be talking about this again. And the reason why I say that is because traditionally the accounting finance FPNA office is lagging in platform adoption and tools and technologies to help accelerate the value proposition. So until they cross that chasm of bringing on more technology, being early adopters, leveraging AI, machine, uh, ML, RPA, we're still going to be having this conversation. Thank you. Floyd, last word. Now, I, I do agree that we will still be having this conversation, but I, I think liquidity management is also going to be a key topic. You know, again, uh, I'm learning, I'm catching up on my uh, treasury skills as well. So uh, working with our treasury groups uh, at SAP on how we can, you know, incorporate that as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if they have everything in place, this can make it a lot easier. You know, and again, I'm not going to talk product names or something like that mentioned SAP, but uh, that's up above my head anyway. So, but anyway, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a topic. I mean, I've been talking about this for 15 years. <laughs> so I don't think one year will do it. So go ahead, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Thank you to the three of you. I appreciate you. Thank you to John Essig at Simplify Solutions. John, so nice to see you again. Chris Ortega, you are a force of nature, man. You just, you just got it. You're punching and kicking and bringing out all the terminology and the energy and the effort. And I hope you inspire. I, I still want to think that you will start a course in finance for the new generation. I don't know what that means. It's not an age thing, but probably is, but I'm not allowed to say that. Floyd Conrad, I'm glad you're better. You did not sound scratchy. You sounded great. Sh shout out to your niece. I don't know what she's wearing and looking like, but tell her we're, we're following her along her path to growing up. And we hope she goes into finance and follows. In great, the niece. great niece. Great niece. <laughs> great niece. Great. Your great, great niece. We hope she follows in your great path and she follows the greatness of you and John and Chris Ortega. I hope I said that right. And thank you to Gabe, our engineer. Everybody wave goodbye. Not quite done yet. We're just about finished to my audience on LinkedIn. A uh, shout out again to Pras Chatterjee and to Chris Grundy, longtime sponsors of the series. And here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Everybody show, fasten your seatbelt. Come on, fasten it. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like John Essig.
just like Chris Ortega, just like Boyd Conrad, Bonnie D signing off. Don't go away, guys. We're going to sit and talk for a second. Everybody wait. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.